This is E. Michael Jones, uh, continuing with the conversation we had a few weeks back with Dana Pavlik, uh, former Canadian. Uh, the discussion the last time was about uh, LifeSite News and the article they put up telling us that pro-lifers have to fight anti-Semitism. Dana's planning to expand on that discussion by talking about the uh, new guidelines that are being proposed as the norm for discussing uh, anti-Semitism in the United States. Uh, it's known as the uh, International Holocaust Remembrance Association's Guidelines for Anti-Semitism. And Dana feels that we have reasons for concern here if these are adopted, because it will lead to a situation very similar to the situation in Europe now, countries like Germany, uh, France, and England, where if you uh, criticize a Jew or disagree with a Jew or even quote a Jew in a way that he doesn't like, you will end up in jail. So with that, we're going to hand it over to Dana. Okay, thanks, Mike. Um, I'm going to make an opening statement so that I can get all my thoughts out on the table in a coherent and orderly manner. In our first discussion about the IHRA as the arbiters of anti-Semitism, I claimed that left and right were not categories of reality, but emotional categories, which were only two complementary ways of serving the worldly power, not two diametrically opposed ways of fighting the power. I said further that the worldly power in our day was indisputably Jewish. House Resolution 221 proves me correct about left and right, but does it prove me right about that worldly power being Jewish? More on that last point in a moment. House Resolution 221, which Donald Trump signed into law before heading back to Mar-a-Lago, enjoyed the unanimous support of both the Senate and the Congress. That is, left and right flocked not to their supposedly different homes, but as one to their true home, the home of their master, the holder of worldly power, when he called through H.R. 221. House Resolution 221 is, of course, the bill which enjoys the support of LifeSite News, EWTN, via their Christians must resist the reemergence of diabolical anti-Semitism push. House Resolution 221, now law, employs a definition of anti-Semitism, which is arbitrary. In the name of fighting anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, which is a threat that is real, not arbitrary. Murder is a real threat. Could we equally protect all people from it by defining murder arbitrarily? No. But we could selectively choose to exclude some people from protection from murder through arbitrarily defining murder. Hence, abortion is arbitrarily defined in order to exclude the class of persons known as unborn children from protection from murder. 
In fact, that's all arbitrarily defining real threats, real vices, can secure. Where objective definition is eschewed in law and arbitrary definition substituted for it, removing protection from the innocent with impunity is alone achieved. What, the name of the, what is the name of the power seeking this? The entire House and Senate voted for a bill which will equip an anti-Semitism ambassador to arbitrarily define anti-Semitism. Elon Carr, the last post holder, referred to the arbitrary definition as, quote unquote, an important tool. Casey's arbitrary definition of abortion is an important tool for murdering with impunity the child innocent of any crime in the womb. The IHRA arbitrary definition of anti-Semitism, like Casey's, can only serve as an important tool for the purpose of punishing with impunity those innocent of its crime too. And what is more, an important tool for empowering those committing the actual act of anti-Semitism, because IHRA anti-Semitism is itself an instance of anti-Semitism. This is so not because I, like the IHRA, says it is so. It is so because reason says it is so. Reason says that genuine anti-Semitism consists in maintaining that injustice and Jewishness are one and the same thing. It would not be anti-Semitic, says reason, to say, for example, that Jews who promote usury or abortion or pornography or disinformation as news are committing an injustice harmful to themselves, their borrowers, their audience, and the entire world. That would be a statement condemning injustice, not Jews. If, however, I condemn the above stated injustices on the ground that they are Jewish injustices in nature, or if I claim that a Jew, being a Jew, can do no other than practice the abominations, then I have trafficked in anti-Semitism because I have conflated injustice with Jews. I have forced the conclusion that the very content of genuine Jewishness is injustice. Now that is just what the IHRA definition does. It cites as an example of anti-Semitism the observation that Jews control the media, economy, government, or other societal institutions. It cites that observation as an instance of a quote-unquote mendacious, dehumanizing, demonizing, and stereotypical allegation. Its citations can only be true if it is not genuine Jews who are in fact doing the controlling. That's point number one. Point number two, 
The IHRA can also cite the claim as an instance of anti-Semitism, ignoring resolving the question of what a genuine Jew is only after first making itself the arbiter of anti-Semitism and through arbitrarily defining it, controlling its meaning and content. The IHRA makes itself impervious to challenge or attempts to at any rate, both ways. Indisputably, therefore, the IHRA is interested in using anti-Semitism as a club to punish with impunity those citizens and groups which it considers a threat to the Alliance members' interests. It is, at the same time, not at all concerned with what causes Jews to get clubbed, physically or reputationally. And it shows its lack of concern by inviting the public to whom it would teach morals to consider hatred of injustice tantamount to hatred of Jewishness. In so doing, the IHRA is de facto sowing resentment in the public against the Jewish people, and that in the name of rooting it out. If only there were a Yiddish word for such effrontery. The only question that remains is, are the people who control the media, the economy, and the government accurately identified when identified as Jews? When we identify these controllers as Jews, have we gotten Rumpelstiltskin's name right? Not according to Pope Benedict XVI. He identifies Jews as the Catholic Church's, quote, fellow receivers of the first covenant. He refers to those who tra traffic in arbitrary definition, receivers not of the first covenant, but of relativism. He refers to relativism, not the first covenant, as that which is erecting a dictatorship and he refers to relativism as, quote, an abstract negative religion made into a tyrannical standard that everyone must follow. He states further, we must mobilize all the powers of the soul and of the good so that a genuine coin can stand up against the false coin and that in this way, the cycle of evil can be broken and stopped. The IHRA, according to Benedict's rule, are not Jews, but identity theft Jews. Their reliance and insistence upon relativism and not the first covenant as their important tool outs them as such. These relativists are attempting to make over the content of First Covenant Judaism into the stuff of evil, diabolical narcissism, wherein I, not God, 
become the arbiter of reality. These relativists would have us believe that the content of First Covenant Judaism is not the right to make God's will my own, but the right to make my will God. The IHRA is a false coin, such as that of which Benedict spoke. Every coin has two sides. The IHRA relativist coin's two sides are diabolical narcissism and diabolical anti-Semitism. Thinking in terms of left and right and not wrong and right, LifeSite News endorsed the one side of the coin, diabolical narcissism, in the name of rejecting its other side, diabolical anti-Semitism, and so was helpless in breaking its cycle of evil and stopping it. The major Jewish organizations, as of January 12, 2021, in a letter from their presidents, all support the IHRA relativist false Jew coin as its, quote, signal to the Jewish community that it has taken our concerns over anti-Semitism seriously, end quote. Following Benedict's rule, the Catholic Church must now ask if these organizations represent Jewry at all, or only the lording over of and menacing of Jewry, given its support for an alliance which trashes the First Covenant in favor of identifying Judaism with relativism's diabolical narcissism and anti-Semitism. Support for the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism is a litmus test of a real First Covenant Jew, as the Casey decision is a litmus test for a real champion of human rights. God truly does bring good out of evil. Well. That's what I have to say. Good, good. Uh, during your talk, I was thinking of a discussion that we had uh, earlier today uh, about all of these guys who are gathering guns and they're ready to, for the assault and they're stockpiling ammunition and they're waiting for the Biden administration to come and take them off to some Guantanamo somewhere. And at this point, I, just, I started talking about the real battle uh, the real warfare that's going on right now has nothing to do with guns. It has to do with the imposition of categories. And so the classic example uh, in recent history would be that demonstration in Washington, which led to the invasion of the Capitol, and then uh, the subsequent imposition of categories on that. So the people who were there uh, considered themselves patriots, uh, religious people. Uh, they came there to pray uh, or to uh, recite the pl Pledge of Allegiance. I have all this from people who were there. This is what was actually going on. But there were some people there who were telling them to come on, come into the, the Capitol. 
Uh, we know who some of those people are. The, the Trump uh, supporters were, uh, some of them, were led into the Capitol by what turned out to be agent provocateurs. But the point I'm trying to make at this point is that these people who thought of themselves as Trump supporters or thought of themselves as patriots were now uh, being held captive by a category that was imposed on them by the media. And the category was uh, domestic terrorists. They are terrorists. There was an insurrection. Mm -hmm. This is the fundamental battle of, uh, of the culture wars. Uh, it's the same thing that uh, I talked about earlier about the, uh, the battle uh, this summer uh, in St. Louis. It was a battle of categories. So the guy who was leading the charge to remove the statue said that the people there were white supremacists. And I think that one of the main reasons, if not the only reason, that that statue is still standing is that I changed the categories. I was the one who said, well, no, they're not white supremacists, they're Catholics. And I think that's stuck. I think that's stuck. And I think it, uh, that's why the, 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 uh, the, the statue is still standing. So the bigger issue here is uh, the imposition of categories. Now, what you described is one of the most flagrant examples of imposing categories on people. Okay? And the category we're talking about is anti-Semitism. Now, uh, anti-Semitism has a definite meaning. Now, you, you were talk, we're talking here about all of this subjectivity, okay? The, the crux of the uh, International Holocaust Remembrance Association's uh, definition is subjective. You stated uh, the last time, you stated many times, that uh, anti-Semitism is defined as a certain perception. Well, wait, wait a minute, fellas. I can't argue with anyone's perception. I have no idea what you're perceiving. You could you could be drunk, you could be drunk, and you could see uh, pink elephants dancing in front of you. You could be on drugs. You could be schizophrenic. You could be any number of things, and I simply don't know what you're perceiving, be and no one can. So you cannot make a subjective perception the heart of the law. It, it, it simply is not compatible with the rule of law. You have to deal with some type of objective state here when you're talking about the law. And that is precisely what they're refusing to do. They're refusing to make any type of objective definition because they know if it's completely subjective, they can do whatever they want. And you will have the situation that I described at the beginning of our discussion where in England, if you're Jez Turner and you say that the Jews have their own police department and you back it up with one fact after another, it doesn't matter. Because the real issue is whether some Jew likes or dislikes what you said. That is going to be the, that is going to be translated into the rule of law. It will mean the complete overturning of whatever is left of the American Constitution, specifically the Bill of Rights, which is based on objective uh, standards. Uh, freedom of speech uh, had some type of objective boundaries to it okay, uh, which defined what it was. So uh, years ago, uh, obscenity was never considered part of uh, free, the right to free speech. Well, guess who changed that? The Jews changed that. And I'm talking specifically about Jews like Alan Dershowitz. And you can see him on YouTube with uh, William Buckley 
in a debate defending Deep Throat. Everyone knew it was a pornographic movie, uh, and he's defending it as free speech. The fact that he did this eroded the boundaries. When you erode the boundaries, what's between the boundaries has no identity anymore, and then it gets colonized by the people who have the microphone. And the Jews have the microphone. They do control the media. And they are in, because they control the media, they are the ones who are in the best position to impose categories on the rest of us. Okay? So the fundamental battle at this point in the culture wars is how do we protect ourselves from the imposition of these categories, these arbitrary, subjective categories? I think the church has our back on this, and it really doesn't matter if certain of the church's representatives in the hierarchy want to have our backs, they will prove they have our backs in their inability to gainsay what I'm saying. Um, it, we, we protect ourselves by making sure that uh, we, um, as you know, Thomas Aquinas says, distinguishing what we mean by our terms. So we have to, do, we have to say, what is a Jew? Well, we've got our definition. We've got our definition. He's a receiver of the first covenant. Well, that ain't the stuff of IHRA anti-Semitism. That ain't the stuff of pornography that um, uh, pretends to be uh, um, freedom of speech. Um, so that raises the question, either these people, we, we can only go one of two ways from there. If Alan Dershowitz, the major Jewish organizations and the IHRA and what they're peddling, um, if they represent authentic Judaism, then the church can have no truck with Judaism. If on the other hand, Judaism really re is represented by the first covenant, then these people like Alan Dershowitz and the major Jewish organizations and the IHRA members, and who knows who they are, if they call themselves Jews, can't use that term. They either have to qualify it by saying we are relativist Jews, in which case the church still can't have any truck with them, um, or they have to say we're relativists. We don't have any relationship to uh, the Jews. Um, well, the problem here is that the done. problem here is that the uh, the Jew the Jews uh, first of all, who elected these groups uh, leaders of the Jews? Who made them their leader? I, I've been in this situation yeah. in terms of uh, Catholicism. I was in uh, New York City when Pope Benedict showed up, uh, and I'm standing there on the street, and the person next to me has EWTN on, and there's Richard John Newhouse, just bloviating. He, he could bloviate for hours on end, and he was doing that at that point. And suddenly the question popped into my mind, who made this guy our leader? Who made this guy a leader of the Catholic Church? And then I realized, well, I know that answer. It was Midge Dechter and Norman Podaritz. They were the ones that uh, t uh, hijacked the grant that was supposed to go to Chronicles. They gave it to Richard John Newhouse and created this guy, who then created First Things as this organ of Jewish-friendly Catholicism or Jewish-friendly conservatism, whatever, however you want to define it. And that's what it's been uh, to this day. Uh, what happened there I, happens across the board. Let's be honest here. It happened at LifeSite News. You described how it happened uh, the, the last time. 
we have a situation where uh, uh, you now have the right to be pro-life at the sufferance of the Jews. If they don't like you, if they don't like the way you, you're being pro-life, uh, they will go after you as they went after uh, the, the, the group in Canada uh, when Father DeVolk had the uh, temerity to criticize Israel's behavior. They went after them. Okay, so the question is, well, why are, why are we losing all the time here? Well, because uh, we have to promote our enemies. Now, the, the thing that got this ball rolling uh, was uh, that article that you mentioned uh, on LifeSite News, which says that um, in order to uh, be uh, pro-life, we have to fight anti-Semitism. Well, this is ridiculous. For, and, and so I, not only is it ridiculous, I, I took this to its logical conclusion, and I said the this main source of political Jewish political power is the claim of anti-Semitism that can, they can level and destroy people. Okay, they use that political power to promote abortion. So if you're promoting the fight against anti-Semitism, you are promoting abortion. So you've got a rights to life organization promoting abortion. The, the, that sounds crazy now, until you uh, add in the alchemy of Jewish influence. Yeah, but we, we know the way out now. I think there is a solution. The solution is, you know, you, you talk about who, who created, who made these people our leaders. Well, that's, that's true. What they can't claim is that they create the content of Judaism. No, the content of Judaism creates them. And that, that, that content has already been spoken for. Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant is the content of Judaism. So all you have to do is look and what, what is it? Is this the content of whatever initiative they're pushing? And if it isn't, they don't get to cloak themselves with their religion to get away with, uh, for example, promoting relativism. At that point, you, you know, you, you don't, all they are is ethnic Jews, and you don't get to uh, tell people what religion they must follow because you happen to be of a certain ethnicity. Either you follow the content of Judaism, which is objective, let any of them, if they want to say, no, that isn't the content of Judaism, they can go ahead and say that if they want to, but I, as a Catholic, I don't have any need to say what Benedict said is that we have full and unquestionable solidarity with the receivers of the first covenant. Well, that means they have to receive it. They're not receiving it. They're contravening it. The, the, the choice is very clear. There are two stark options here. Either Judaism, as I said, is the right to say to make God's will my own. That's Abrahamic First Covenant Judaism, or it's its diametric opposite. Judaism is the right to make uh, 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 my own will God, in which case, sorry, we have irreconcilable differences. Okay, well, um, the, the, this is the, part of... Uh, the, the other aspect of this is uh, what uh, the, the people... Uh, who are imposing these categories. Uh, and the, the, the grammar behind that, which is basically truth is the opinion of the powerful. In other words, yeah. they, they, truth is what they say it is. And, and what you yeah. saw over the past four years was this inaction against Donald Trump. 
uh, basically that they, they would not report anything uh, that was favorable to Donald Trump. Or th to get even more re recent, the whole question was, was there fraud in the election? This, the evidence for fraud was completely ignored uh, under the principle that if it doesn't appear in the New York Times, it's not real, which is a variation on truth is the opinion of the powerful, which is what uh, the, mm -hmm. Times, the Times actually said about the election. We are the ones who announce who is president, not the Electoral College. So this is, it comes down to this conflict between uh, oligarchic control of the media and representative government. That's what it was. And uh, now what we're seeing here is the oligarchic control of the media has so controlled the categories of the mind that it controls representative government because nobody in the Congress has the wherewithal to object to what they were saying, evidently. It seems as if it's uh, all but universal there. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a, we're in a good position now because we can use the IHRA to charge the entire Congress and the entire Senate with not only hypocrisy, but anti-Semitism. You know, the Washington Examiner, um, in that video that uh, I made, uh, that you, God bless you, put up, the platitudes in the making, I quoted the Washington Examiner in 2018 as saying that uh, Casey's subjectivism was such an affront, such an offense to the text of the Constitution and the spirit of the Declaration of Independence that it um, should uh, wipe out uh, Kennedy's reputation. Okay, aren't we supposed to have some pro-lifers in the Congress and in the Senate? Yeah, Chris Smith. Well, all of a sudden, well, all of a sudden, well, this, this, look at the hypocrisy. These guys don't give a wit. If they gave a wit about ending Casey, there is no way they would back IHRA subjectivity, which is the same thing. It will uphold the abortion license uh, with its irrationality. And it shows that they don't give a wit about the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. So it's our own representatives who, they don't represent no, us. No, they don't represent they us. Are if the, cla the classic example of a man who doesn't represent the people is Chris Smith. He's the sponsor of this bill in the House. And he is Mr. Pro-Life. Mr. Pro-Life who happens to be in the pocket of the Israel lobby. He has been promoting right. hate crimes legislation for years now. So this is, this is the, the, uh, the deal. This is the crooked deal. When I need votes, I'm pro-life. When I need money, I'm pro-Jew. That's the perfect, it's the best of both worlds. So uh, the only problem is, comes in, well, what happens when you actually get to the house and have to actually put forth a bill or something like that? Which bill are you going to sponsor? Well, he's shown his colors. He's sponsoring this bill. He's sponsoring the bill that will basically say, if I say uh, Jews are pro-abortion and they don't like my tone of voice, or as in the cowboy movies, I didn't smile when I said, when I said that, partner, uh, I'll go to jail. This is what they're saying. This is, this is a man, this is uh, uh, the consequence of this law because now 
uh, they are going after uh, the right to life. They're going. They're they're bland, banning people from Twitter now who say that abortion is murder. Well, I have a question that's uh, re related. You're right. Chris Smith clearly is a front man. Just adding to what she would say, I would say he's a front man who's a useful tool to the relativist Jews in order to make it appear to Catholics um, as though um, this is a, a, a Catholic thing we're pushing when we push IHRA subjectivity as anti-Semitism. They... Uh, I, I read, if you, if you go to the press, when I read about the passage of H.R. 221, if you go to our Sunday Visitor, if you go to Crux, if you go to Philly Catholic, it's the same article. It's one news release, and it's the same boilerplate, the, the exact same article in all three places. All it mentions is Chris Smith. He's the guy we can thank. Well, he's a, you know, you can see how it works. The Catholic is supposed to think, well, he's a Catholic. Well, he's pro-life. This must be in line with my interests. Right. That's Absolutely. why Pope Benedict says. That's why Pope Benedict says. That's why Catholics can't afford to stay immature in their faith. Learn your doctrine, okay? Learn your doctrine. Don't don't go around saying who's the guy who's the conservative Catholic. Whatever he says. No. Learn your doctrine and put it into practice. I can't. Um, I can't tell you how many times I got the National Right to Life uh, newspaper. And how many times Chris Smith's picture was in that newspaper? I mean, it seems like every yeah. issue, there's the same picture of Chris Smith without any mention of the fact that he's really working for the Jews, working for the Israel lobby. Well, announcement, announcement <coughs> to the Catholic world. Chris Smith is a Casey subjectivist uh, promoter. Okay, did you get the memo? Go look into subjectivism. It secures impugning the innocent. It does not secure the right to life. So you're going to have to go to work now on thinking these things through and not uh, um, outsourcing your need to, uh, not, uh, to, to learn Catholic doctrine to somebody else, especially a Catholic media outlet. The yeah. same article, I was just going to say, when it comes to this IHRA bill, the same article, if you go over to the Jewish world, it's one in the same article in all their different outlets. Times of Israel, Jewish Telegraph Agency, Jewish Weekly. It's all the same article. Um, and what do they say? All the major Jewish organizations back it. Um, there's only one group of Jews, uh, you know, um, about 11 Jewish organizations who don't support it. And they don't mention the name. I had to go find that from another article from like the World Socialist Weekly or something. But it raises a question here. We've talked about what Catholics, their failure. Well, this, given what Benedict says a Jew is, and he's right, um, we have to ask, where are the first covenant Jews on this? Where are they? Why aren't they objecting to it? These guys are saying the content, the major Jewish organizations as of January 12th are all saying that Judaism consists in diabolical narcissism. So, so the question the we Judaism, so where the question we have to ask the Jew is, uh, do you support the ADL? Does the ADL represent your interest? Now, this happened. More importantly, sorry, go on. Uh, this happened in St. Louis. Uh, a friend of mine, Catholic friend of mine, 
after all of the publicity, he gets a call from a Jew, and he says, oh, that, 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 no Jew takes that lady rabbi seriously. I forget what the lady's name is, okay? And uh, so he, this is my, fr my friend, yeah, uh, Rabbi Susan Talva. So anyway, so my friend calls me and tells me this, and I said, well, what you have to do is get back on the phone to this guy and say, let's, I, uh, thank you for sharing that information. Let's make it public. So we will have United Citizens of uh, St. Louis uh, denouncing uh, Catholics and Jews denouncing Rabbi Susan Talva as a phony and a revolutionary. Well, he wouldn't do it. So there you have it. There you have it. You have this kind of de facto solidarity because the Jews are clannish and they will never ally themselves with uh, a non-Jewish group if it means criticizing another Jew. Well, this is, this is, this is undermines the whole idea of citizenship. This was the problem in France immediately after Napoleon emancipated the Jews. As soon as he got back to Strasbourg, the, the Frenchmen are saying, the Jews are exploiting this. They're, they're, undermine, they're, they're using usury as a way of pulling, uh, 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 putting control on the population at large, blah, blah, blah. They, were never, they, they never considered themselves citizens. And what happened in St. Louis is an example of just that. No, you're not a citizen. You're part of that group. You're, uh, well, is that true? Is it true? Is there a group? Are you saying that the ADL, which is this criminal money laundering operation that promoted the likes of Mo Dalitz and Meyer Lansky, uh, does that represent Judaism? Certainly doesn't represent what you uh, just mentioned as Judaism. Well, that's, that's why I say in the IHRA, we have a litmus test now. If they, you just, all you have to do is ask them, do you support the IHRA? If they say yes, they are implicitly admitting that they do not believe the content of Judaism to be the first covenant. Well, thanks. That's really helpful. Because now so I So you have no protection myself. as a Jew then. Uh, you can't call yourself a Jew. You can't uh, ask for the protection of a religious protection, uh, some type of relig respect for religion, because that's not uh, what you right. are. The opposite, the I, I, I tried, I, tried I, I did the opposite in St. Louis, because I said, no, these people are Catholics, and as Catholics, they have a right to practice their religion, which is clearly what they're doing at the statue by praying the rosary. That worked, right? Uh, because white supremacists. Yeah, where, where does our faith say? Where does the Catholic Church say that its contents is a certain perception of Jesus? No, no, it's it, it's all spelled out. It's all spelled out. You know, you're, when you when you engage, when you traffic in arbitrariness and subjectivity, you are up to no good. Um, uh, there, there's a corollary here uh, to, to that. Um, in reading about this matter, um, the IHRA, uh, you know, was making terrific headway in the university system in Britain. Um, they were successful and they sent out uh, Gavin Williamson to pen a letter to the university saying there, you either uh, get this definition um, into your... Um, um, governing your institutions, or um, you're going to lose funding. And then a group, come January 7th, um, a group of lawyers, uh, they uh, 
surprisingly banded together and told the universities, don't do this. They have no right. And they, that they hit at the heart of the IHRA by calling it what I'm saying, internally incoherent was their term. They, they grasped, you know, you can't have a definition which says the objective truth is there is no objective truth. That's self-contradictory. That's internally incoherent. How can a guy be guilty of committing a crime when he doesn't even know what the crime consists in? So um, there's that. So they got it right, these lawyers, and I think that's kind of, so you're getting pushback there, thanks be to God. I'd like to think that has something to do with um, other people getting the point that, uh, you know, I and my husband saw. We sent a letter to Tom Tillis, our representative, about this matter. We sent a letter to our congressman holding. We sent a letter to the bishops of the Catholic Church about this. So grave is it. Um, and uh, we sent it to other Catholic publications as well. One you might might know of culture wars, I understand, is going to run it. And it's the only one. Everybody else, dynamic silence. If they could overcome the objection that we're making here, surely to God, they would. They're not saying anything. Um, but going back to um, objections to the definition, I found this interesting. We keep asking, where are the Jews, the first covenant Jews on this? These people are engaging in identity theft, these relativist Jews. Aren't you going to say anything about it? Where are yeah. you? I have a certain sympathy. I have a certain sympathy if they're out there. I can't get on the media. You know, I'm, are, are they going to give Naturi Kartai the mic? I don't think so. No. Um, but, I, but I went to um, find this group. I'm searching, searching, trying to find this group of Jews who object to the IHRA definition. And when I found that group, one of them was J Street. But I found it interesting, their grounds of, um, consider the, the, the British lawyers, their objection to the definition was that it was inter internally incoherent. The 10 Jewish groups which objected to it had this to say, while we maintain no substantive objection to the core definition itself, our concern with its adoption as a legal tool is with its contemporary examples. Uh, good, great for the contemporary examples, but uh, let's go back to that. You have no objection to its core definition. Mike, that is really, really bad. Because what they're saying is they want the content of Judaism to remain a tabula rasa. They can fill it up with what they say it is whenever they want. Because the core definition of IHRA is relativism. It's Judaism is what I say it is. Well, well it's, 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 now it's, it's what this is the, the flaw behind the whole Casey decision or the illusion where right. this guy, uh, Kennedy, gives the uh, uh, illusion, gives the impression that everyone has a right to define uh, their concept of freedom and ultimate reality. Well, no, you know, that's that's ridiculous. Only the powerful have that right. Uh, once you make it subjective, no, once you make it subjective, you are putting all of this power into the hands of a few people who will then use it to attack you. Yeah, you know, the, the IHRA definition really helped me understand the Casey definition. Casey 
places, when it says you have the right to, to define for yourself what abortion is, you know who they're talking about? They're saying the pregnant woman, she's the one who gets to define what her child is. And if she defines that child as an affront to her dignity, then that baby, because, because the charge is uh, uh, um, uh, subjective, that child is guilty as accused. He can have no comeback and he's going to die. So that's, so you see, your only subjectivity only arms those who want to attack the innocent with impunity. That's all it empowers. So no, no so one will be exempt. No one will be exempt from this definition. And uh, once it's passed, no you, you will have no way to defend yourself. Whoever you are, it could be used against anyone because the definition is purely subjective. And you have to find yourself arguing. Suppose, suppose I said, uh, I never mentioned Jews in my entire life. This is a complete mistake. And they say, no, there's a certain perception that you did. Well, how are you supposed to argue against that? Anyone can be subjected to the uh, complete uh, uh, tyranny of the law, using the law to basically silence anyone that they don't like. And the whole Congress and Senate are on board with that. So they are all, to a man, either defective in their intellectual abilities or they are thoroughly corrupt. It's one or the other or both. Um, Fools but, or uh, knaves. Fools yeah. or knaves. Yeah. Which is it? And if you're a knave, you're a fool. <laughs> um, so I, I think maybe I can close out with some thoughts here that are kind of function like an executive summary of, of my, the points I want to make here. I'd like to just read a couple of quotes, if you don't mind. The Jewish Leadership Council had this to say about the IHRA definition. This is a bold move and will send a signal to the Jewish community that it has taken our concerns over anti-Semitism seriously. All right, so there's the Jewish Leadership Council instructing us on what it means to be moral. That put me in mind of this from Bede. Here's Bede commenting on Psalm 50, verse 16, which says, God said to the wicked, why dost thou preach my love? Bede comments, the wicked is forbidden to preach the Lord, lest anyone listening to his preaching should follow him in his error. For the devil is an evil master who always mingles false things with true, that the semblance of truth may cover the witness of fraud. Now, pick that up and see Benedict saying the same thing in um, the book, Light of the World. In such a context where everything is relative and nothing intrinsically evil exists, but only relative good and relative evil, people who have no inclination to such behavior are left with no solid footing. Good and evil become interchangeable. They were no longer absolutely clear opposite. Photike, who said, whoever is in love with himself is unable to love God. So it's clear that the, the subjectivity definition of the IHRA aligns Judaism with diabolical narcissism, making Judaism 
its core, uh, the right to enthrone my own will as God. Um, and that's totally incompatible with the first covenant uh, receivers whom Benedict says, those are the ones with whom we have full and unquestionable solidarity. Um, and I'd like to come to your point. This makes me think of your book because um, St. Paul, if, if, if that raises the question, what is it about trying to follow the first covenant? Why, 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 why aren't they following the first covenant? And I wonder if um, St. Paul in Hebrews 8, 113 isn't the answer here. He says, we have seen that we have been given a ministry of a far, a far higher order, and to the same degree it is a better covenant of which Christ is the mediator, founded on better promises. If that first covenant had been without a fault, there would have been no need for a second one to replace it. And in fact, God does find fault with them. He says, see, the days are coming when I will establish a new covenant. It is the Lord who speaks, not a covenant like the one I made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah's ancestors, but um, a new covenant. And Paul goes on to say, by speaking of a new covenant, he implies that the first one is already old. Now anything old only gets more antiquated until in the end it disappears. So... I think um, it's interesting to me that it takes a Catholic to identify now what a real Jew is. Yes. I think it has something to do with that second covenant, that final covenant. Yes. Yes. Subjectivity is completely incompatible with the rule of law. Subjectivity is another word for tyranny, and that's what is going yes. to come out of this bill. Well, hopefully with this uh, discussion gone out into the ether, um, uh, we can do something now to equip people to understand why that is so and to fight it with all their might and to realize and, 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 not, and not give in to fear, which is the only way it's, uh, it's going to uh, getting any traction. Yes. Amen, sister.